Church, let's stand if you would and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews 8, I don't know if you guys realize it or not, but did you know the last time uh, we were together, which was not last Wednesday night, but the Wednesday night before that, we set a world's record here. Did you know that? We did chapter 7 in one, one night. That, never has that ever happened here before. It's 33 years. It's never happened. And uh, so tonight we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. We'll go as far as we can. We're looking at really the same theme. It goes this way for quite a while, and that is having a priest better than you. You always want to make sure that you have a priest that's better than you. But then when you turn, if you turn to a human and you assume that that priest is better than you, then you're going to be set up for great disappointment and failure. Are you listening to me? Have I ever asked you to put your eyes on me and follow me in any way, shape, or form? The only thing that I would possibly flirt with doing is what Paul said. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I might say... Follow me as I follow Paul, as he follows Christ. We'll all be following Jesus together. But the Bible makes it very clear that your priest must be a priest of a very, very particular order. He must have certain requirements, certain standards, certain things that he has to meet to be the priest of your soul in your eternal life, and oh, a small detail. He can't be of this world. He has to be the eternal God who has come down from heaven above. I'll read the verse one, if you'll pick up and start in verse two. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Wow. For every high priest, think of every priest on earth, of every religion, of any denomination, for every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, referring to Christ, also have something to offer. That's awesome. Verse 5. Who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, quote now, God speaking to him, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Having a priest better than you. It's, it's amazing because all of us can agree on this one thing, no matter what your spiritual walk of life is, that there's an overwhelming sense, and, and it has been since Adam and Eve were created, throughout all of culture, anthropologists, sociologists, those who have studied antiquities, there, there is this consistent theme in the disciplines of those sciences 
that man is religious by nature. Did you know that? It is unnatural for man to be atheistic. I want you to know that. Atheism is a modern time construct. There were no atheists in ancient times. It was something that was an, inven it was an invention, and it came out of an era, which, by the way, cracks me up, because if you look at the tenets of atheism, they are actually a religion. For example, one of them, most famous, not, I don't know if he's the most famous, he's kind of gone off the rails uh, of late, nobody really mentions him anymore, because it's pretty debunked, but uh, Chuck Darwin, for example. Charles Darwin. Um, did you know he started out his career in a seminary learning the Bible? Did you know that? But uh, he didn't like God, and so he went about a way to explain the world in, in, in other ways. And the things that he claimed literally took more faith to believe in than just believing in what God had said about things. When God says, I made, for example, the, the fowl of the air, birds, and I made them after their own kind. In other words, God says, I made birds, and I wrote their DNA out, and within them there's variation. There's a blue one, there's a yellow one, there's a red one, there's a big one, there's a small one, and all over time, as time has gone on, they're still birds. Whoa, how do you explain? How do you explain dogs? There's chihuahuas, and there's... Listen, when you, if you take the DNA course and you go backwards in that course, you come to an animal, which is a dog, which is somewhat much like a wolf. And it's man who is engineered from what exists into other forms of what? Dogs. You've never taken a dog and made a cat. Okay, you can't get a fish and make it fly like a bird. Everything still to this moment is replicated after its own kind, exactly as God has said. And in that, by the way, is the human. And the human, I know this sounds corny, we've heard it a thousand times, but it's true. The human has a God-shaped hole in their existence. Right in the middle of your chest, so to speak, is a, is a big hole that only God can fit. And when we don't use the word of God to find God, then we go around trying to stuff that hole with things that we think might fulfill. And so we'll have it up to here with sex, or we'll have it up to here with drink, or seeking pleasure, or adrenaline, you know, jumping off of mountains, bridges, stuff, the adrenaline rush. It doesn't matter. Uh, whatever it is, you're looking for this filler. And um, I'm not saying that when God fills that hole, you suddenly go boring. You don't jump off of buildings anymore because you're a Christian. Sure, I'm sure you do. Some of you are Christians. You jump out of airplanes. I don't know why you'd jump out of a perfectly good airplane, but uh, it doesn't mean that you become a Christian and you don't have a life anymore. The exact opposite happens. You become a Christian and you become fulfilled. And then you start living your life. Believe it or not, with all the jumping out of airplanes or uh, swimming with sharks that you're trying to get a rush out of, um, at the end of the day, it's still over. But never with Jesus. And so having a high priest better than you, we start looking at this. Uh, we look at it this way in verses 1 and 2, and that is having a better covenant. Write that down, please. A covenant. According to the Bible, God has written us a new covenant. 
There was the Old Covenant, and there's the New Covenant. There was the Old Testament, and there's the New Testament. One, con- one does not contradict the other. They're in perfect harmony. But one promises something, and the other fulfills the promise. They work in tandem. Are you with me? They work in tandem. Never. I mean it. I would never go to a church that sees the Old and New Testament as something that should be separated and never taught, studied, or looked at. No way. You can't do that. You have no idea what it is you believe in the New Testament unless you've studied the Old. Okay? Very, very, very important. So as we look at this, we'll kind of dissect this together with the time that we have. Mark this down if you would. We're we're out to have a better covenant because of what he's given us, but we must come to the conclusion from Scripture, and you will eventually if you haven't, is that Jesus Christ is in fact that better covenant. See, what's the big deal about that? Well, because it's not written in stone. It's not based on a lineage of priesthood. It's not, it's not listed on uh, or determined upon uh, this rank of order or these um, special DNA groups of people, the Kohathites, the Levites, or, uh, you know, today people might say, uh, oh, you know, he, he's, a, he's a priest, he's a cardinal, he's a, a pope, he's an a archbishop, or she's a nun, or he's, he's this, or he's this type of priest in this organization or this group. It's, listen, God's not into that. Do you understand that? He's not into that. I don't mean to upset anybody, but Jesus made it very clear. He said, whatever you do, don't call anybody on earth father, because there's only one father, and that's your father in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Crystal clear. And when you, when you, when you think about that, um, There is the reaching out in arms of God saying to you, come to me. He has never said in the Bible, go read it. He has never said in the Bible, you go go to those people and then you can come to me. If you think of the Old Testament, really getting down to it, the priesthood, a friend of mine told me, and he's Jewish, so he can say this. I, I don't think I would ever say this. But we were talking about this very thing, and he's Jewish. And he said, listen, he said the, the, the priesthood was a glorified butcher shop. He said the priests, the Kohathites and the Levites, they were glorified butchers. And if you've ever read Leviticus, if you ever want to fall asleep, <laughs> read Leviticus. Take the spleen, put it over here, then stretch out the entrails. And, and it's just like, what? I had to knock you out in a minute. <laughs> Why all that? Because it was God communicating to his people that you can't keep the law. And so because of that, innocent animals have got to be sacrificed to make atonement for your sins. And their offering would be a covering for your sin. Fast forward, we've got the Lord Jesus Christ, who when John the Baptist saw him, John, a Jew, Yohanin, chapter 1. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All priests of the earth and all animal blood of the earth only covers sins. No priest can take away your sins. Did you know that? No priest can't. You say, I don't know if I like hearing this, but it's true. 
Because the Bible makes it clear. The only way that you can have your sins taken away from you is if your priest that you're confessing to has no sin. It even says in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, that the priests that operate in this world, they, before they represent you, must first get blood for themselves to have their sins forgiven before they can come and talk to you. Wow, do you remember in the Old Testament that when the priest was going to go into the Holy of Holies, they tied a rope around his leg and they put bells on his robe because if there was sin in his life after he had confessed his sins, and can you imagine on the Day of Atonement, there's your man, there he goes, the whole nation's waiting. Go in there and talk to God so that our sins are covered. Okay, here I go. And he would go in with blood into the tabernacle. And then it would be the temple in Jerusalem. He would go and you would hear the bells moving. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> right? Really? And then he would, do, he would offer. And then after a while, if, if you didn't hear any tinkling of the bells, you get a little concerned. Can you imagine? Hey, have, you, have, you, have we heard anything lately? I haven't heard a thing. Have you heard any tinkling? Anything? No? Pull on the rope. Can you imagine reeling this guy in? He couldn't come into the presence of God with sin in his life. Well, think about that, by the way. That's a bit convicting if you think about it, maybe in your life right now. God says, if you're my child, you're also in the priesthood. And I don't want you to come into my presence with sin in your life. He wants us to walk a life of holiness. That's not boring. It's thrilling. It simply means this, that you walk before him because we have a covenant that we don't have to run back. Can you imagine in the Old Testament era, if you sinned, five minutes, you left. You just made an offering and you walk away. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You slip and fall and some, something happens and you sin. Oh, man, you got to grab, it depends on the sin. You got to grab a, a, a goat or a ram or a lamb or a turtle dove and you got to go back. Hey, here, priest, I blew it. Here's some more blood. How bloody was that? Did you know that Josephus, the historian that was working for Rome, he said that during the Passover weekend that Jesus Christ was crucified, that he estimated that there were some 285,000 sheep sacrificed at the temple on that weekend. Because you had to have 10 people per sheep. That's how they knew how many people were in Jerusalem at Passover. And on a lonely hill, at the north top of the Mariah, the lamb was being crucified. And so verse 1 says, now this is the main point. I love this by the author. This is the main point. I'm, he's saying I'm getting down to the whole reason of the whole thing, that we have such a high priest. I've got that marked in my Bible. This is the point. What's the point? We've got such a high priest. We've got a priest that handles everything that you and I need. By the way, in my notes, I have high priest, that's Jesus Christ, who, notice his location, is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavenlies, or in heaven. Where's Jesus Christ? He's seated at the right hand of the majesty. 
That's the priest that I have. Is that the priest that you have? Is that the one that you talk to constantly? You don't have to bring blood. You don't have to go and, and offer something. And he doesn't speak back, by the way, and say, and say to you, now, to really get forgiveness or get this taken care of, you've got to do three of these and seven of the others, and you've got to earn a little bit of this. You've got to have some skin in the game, friend. You can't do that. That is an insult to Christ's sacrifice. He doesn't need my help. He doesn't need your help. We've got the priest. We've got the one, the very one you need. The one that you've known all along down inside is the one that you really ought to have. It's Jesus, my friend. It's nobody else. It is Jesus Christ. We have such a high priest. Man, as a Bible teacher, I'm thinking just that theme alone, you could preach a message for months. We have such a high priest that forgives We have such a high priest that endures. We have such a high priest that will never turn his back on you. We have such a high priest that can forgive any sin. We have have such a high priest that's always listening. We have such a high priest that's always there, always caring, always tender, always waiting, always there. At all times, he's there. In the morning when you wake up, he's there. And all night through, you'll be sleeping, he's there. He never leaves. He says he never leaves. He comes into your life and he never leaves. You have to go somewhere. We gotta go. We gotta go to confession. We gotta go to the temple. We gotta go to the church. We gotta go to the mosque. Or we've gotta go to the synagogue. We gotta what do you gotta go? What? I will never forget. It broke my heart. Was witnessing to a man in Moscow, Russia, witnessing his eyes are being opened, everything, and we get ready to pray. And I said, you know, do you want to accept Christ? Yes, I do. Okay, here we go. We're going to pray right now. He goes, we can't pray here. We cannot pray. We, I said, what are you talking about? He goes, we have to go inside the church. Only then God can hear us. And I said, man, come, listen, the whole time I've been talking to you about this, we're not talking about God being a mouse. We're not him talking about being uh, something little, something that is anyway bound. And it took forever. I got to tell you, the guy eventually prayed, but it was tough for him. He couldn't believe that God lived outside the church. Listen, I'm happy to report that God lives outside the church. Thank God. In fact, if you want to find God, there's many churches, you ought to go outside and look for him. But notice this place of position. The Bible says that our high priest is already seated. He's all done. He's done it all. I say this with all due respect and affection. He's got nothing to do. Because he's done it all. When he said it's finished. On the cross, Jesus said it is finished. That means everything that was needed to be done to save your soul, Jesus did it. Wow, love that. That's why Jesus Christ is the better covenant. It's not on stones. It's not on two tablets. It's Christ. Those tablets only pointed man's sins to Christ. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets 
has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Boy, let me tell you, Hebrews 1 verse 2 ought to just shut down right now people saying, God told me to tell you, and it's completely off the wall crazy. In these last days, God spoke to us by his son. God is done speaking. When he speaks, he speaks through his word that he has given. You want something? I just need to have a word. Uh, there's many gazillions of thousands of them right here. Why don't you read them? Oh, I just need to get a word from God. How many words does he need to give you? <laughs> search and see. Doesn't, the, doesn't he say search? And when you have searched for me with all of your heart, I'll be found by you. I'd love that. See, I don't know if I've got the strength or the energy. Trust me. Search after him. You say, I don't know if I believe. That's fair. Search after him and find out. Disprove his existence. Go for it. But listen, don't be surprised if as you're looking around, and you know, you'll see the curtain. There'll be a foot sticking out from underneath the curtain, and it'll be a sandal. You'll... It'll be Jesus' sandal because if you search for him, he'll make sure you catch him. He doesn't say, hey, uh, count to 10 and, and try to find me. I'll be, uh, I'll be here. And you start counting and he, and he leaves the house and goes down a couple miles away. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He wants to be caught by you. What a priest in this incredibly new and awesome covenant that is made in his blood by his love and power and through him established forever. Well, listen, Hebrews 1, verse 2 goes on to say, has in these last days spoken us to by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the worlds. You know, see that word worlds? That's, we would say, cause, it's hard, it's bad English, but it's cosmoses. Multiple cosmos, he made them all. Whatever is made has been made by him. That's everything, all of it, beyond the farthest. Did you guys get it? I, I, I kind of posted it too late. You had like three minutes. I posted it the other night to go outside quick and look into the northwestern sky to watch Falcon 9 be launched from Vandenberg Air Force Base. Did anybody do that? It was awesome. I don't know where you were, but I was in a really clear spot, and man, that thing took off, and we're watching it. I've got the, got the phone open because we got all the technology on the phone. You can see the speed and the altitude and, and all of this stuff, and, you're, and we're watching it, and it's just amazing, huge flame. And it's going up 8,000 miles an hour, 11,000 miles an hour, 17,000 miles an hour. And we watched it with our naked eye. We watched it to, to where it was, had passed Mexico City. From here. And you're just like, wow. <laughs> and to think of that speed and what, what is it like out there. God knows. He made it. And if that thing went for a bazillion years in that direction, it'd still be, it's, it would still be under the jurisdiction of Almighty God. <laughs> I love it. But that verse goes on. First uh, chapter of Hebrews 
It says in verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory, speaking of Jesus, and the expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the power of his, or by the word of his power, when he had by himself, hello everybody, what? By himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Sounds like Hebrews, doesn't it? What we're reading right now in this chapter. Same as echoed in the first chapter. Sat down. He purged our sins by himself. I love that. Man, how saved can we be? Well, if you put your faith in Christ alone and nothing else, because there is nothing else. Uh, you're, listen. He's got your name written in his Lamb's Book of Life. And what's awesome about that fact is that no one's blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but real quick. There's, two, there's at least two books in the Bible that record names. Technically, I could push it and show you a few others, but there's the Lamb's Book of Life and there's the Book of Life. Every human being ever given life has their name written in the Book of Life. See, so if you're here right now and you, you, you're not a Christian and, you, and let's say we know this, that in time you'll never become one. You'll die and wind up in hell. Your name was written in the book of life. God gave you life. But because you never accepted Christ, your name was never written down in the Lamb's book of life. So remember, think of two spreadsheets right here. All the people that have ever been born or that had ever been given life. Think about all the names that God, only God knows of all the babies that were miscarried in life or aborted in life. God knows them all. Did you know that? He tells us so in Psalm 139. He says, I knew all, I knew all your body parts before they even put together. I, he said, I was in the womb while you were being plugged, plugged into, like, you know, Legos. <laughs> Arm, armpit in, nose. He said, I was there. Every human being ever given life, so watch this. But the Bible says that there is the Lamb's book of life, and that's the book where those who believe in Christ, their names are written. Lamb's book of life. The book of the Lamb's record, we would call it. So, here's my name, Jack. Okay, I was given life. And at the age of 19, so to speak, I'm making this part up right now. Are you with me, everybody? Yes. When I said, Lord, forgive me of my sins, come into my life, take control, he highlighted my name. He took the mouse, he highlighted my name. Are you? I told you I was making this part up. He hit copy. He came over to the Lamb's Book of Life, and he hit paste. Watch. Where's my name now? Both places. In the day of judgment, if your name is not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, your name is blotted out of the Book of Life. It says so. Your name, when the books are open, it says your name's not there. 
It means that you're on your, you're, you're momentarily, the door's going to open up and you're going to fall. Why? Because you didn't get your name copied and pasted into the Lamb's Book of Life. To get your name into the Lamb's Book of Life is to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. He died on the cross for my sins. He rose again from the dead. I trust him. I believe him. I don't want religion. I want Jesus. And I've given him my life. And I commit my life to him. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to live for him. I'm not going to live for anybody else but him. He's the Lord of my life. He calls the shots. We're going to do what he wants to do. And listen, if you do that, hang on. Because it's going to be a glorious ride. It's going to be a great life. Man. Also in verse 1 it says, now this is the main point. He's stressing, don't miss this. Absolutely amazing. And love the fact that he is seated at the right hand. Now, verse 2 continues. Jesus Christ is the better architect. He's not only the better covenant, he's the better architect. When the Bible says in verse 2, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord, that is Jesus Christ, erected and not man. I find this absolutely awesome. Here's the reason why. Look, he's the minister. The minister is the one, listen, a minister is not only a servant, but he also administers what is the applied or the appropriate thing. In other words, this minister, who was the high priest, knows exactly what to do and give you in life. I love it. Can you trust him with that? Really? Honestly? I just prayed with a family just before service, and their daughter's going in for surgery. And the dad had expressed, boy, this has been a journey and because you could tell, and he's a good dad, you could tell. Uh, he wants to know all about this, and he wants to have a little bit of control because he loves these, these kids, and his daughter is going to go in for surgery. And, and uh, it was cute because he said, I made sure that I uh, looked at the team that's going to be working on my daughter and made sure that none of them were criminals or had any <laughs> bad records and any marks against them. What was he, what was he expressing? A loving dad. That's how dads think. Who are you? <laughs> Hi, sir. Can I date your daughter? No. <laughs> Not till you and I become friends. Sit down. <laughs> that's how it starts. Very cordial. So that's, but, um, but a minister. And he's, look, he's the one that there applies all that we need in the sanctuary. Not this sanctuary. Not any sanctuary on earth. I'm happy to report. Of the true tabernacle. This gets fun. Listen, friends. If you're, if you're bound up in, in, in church membership and that's your entrance to heaven, big disappointment coming. Uh, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if, if you're a Mormon and you are trusting in your book, the, uh, uh, the, the book being checked off for the basic performances and in, in your achievements to reach uh, deity. Big, big disappointment coming. Uh, if you're a Catholic and you're trusting in, in, in all of the rites and pat, the rituals and the, and the catechism and the, and the confirmations and the baptisms, big... Listen, if you're a Protestant, 
and you think that you got the corner market on, on going to heaven because if it's anything other than what Jesus Christ has done, we're all in trouble, friends. And so when it says here the tabernacle or the true tabernacle, this is absolutely beautiful because, friends, Jesus never went into any sanctuary on earth and he never went into any tabernacle on earth and he saw to it that he didn't do that. Do you know how many times Jesus Christ visited the temple in Jerusalem and never went in? He never went in. He stayed in the outer court. Did you know that? Every time. He never went in. Don't you think if he was God, right, and this all meant something at the building and the temple, that he would go through, he'd tell the high priest, scoot over, I'm here, get out of the way. I know this better than you do. And walks in, don't you think he would have done it? He never did it. He made it a point not to do it. You want to know why? That big building was coming down in 70 AD. And if that building came down in 70 AD, so would have your salvation. No, he entered a sanctuary in a tabernacle, the true one, which is in heaven. Look what it says. Which the Lord, that is Jesus Christ himself, erected, not man. I mean, we can party over that statement right there. According to the Bible, this great high priest, Jesus, went into a sanctuary, into the tabernacle, to secure your salvation, and that location was not made with human hands. I like that. Not made with human hands. You know, I told you before, and you know this, that Jesus was the carpenter. The word in Greek is tekton, and it appears only once regarding the life of Jesus in the Bible as carpenter or craftsman. We have no idea what he built, Exactly. People want to pretend. We don't know. But it's, he could have worked with stone. He could have worked with wood and stone. Did he make a table? I don't know. He was a carpenter. He's a craftsman. Maybe people need tables. Chairs? Yokes for animals? Those had to be made out of wood. Did he make uh, mangers? You know, mangers had to be made out of stone, not wood. Stone. Um, on and on it goes. We don't know. But we know this. According to the Bible, there's a tabernacle and there's a sanctuary in heaven not made with human hands. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad about that. Uh, in my notes, I've got uh, God and Son. You know, like God and Son Construction Company or God and Son... <laughs> God and Son and company. We're the company. It's God and Son. And then he invites us as believers to work with him, to, to invite others to come to Christ. That, that's our part. Matthew 6, 13. Um, so we'll just pause the clock right here. Right? You have nowhere to go. Only a moment has gone by since we started Matthew 6, 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, which is one of my favorite places, gorgeous, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, 
or one of the prophets? And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Mark this, everyone. What's the issue? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. What? What is it that flesh and blood has not revealed? Jesus is the Son of God. You all hear that? Jesus is saying to Peter, I want, you to, I want you to pass this logic test right now. This is very important, eternally important. Jesus says to Peter, flesh and blood did not tell you that. What, what you just said, that's not from human thought. But my Father who is in heaven. Got that, everybody? The big deal is, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, that's not from this world. My Father gave you that. That's the point. And also, and I also say to you, that you are Peter. Peter's name means uh, stone. And on this rock, I will build my church. That's interesting. That's a different word than Peter. On what will Jesus build his church? Peter? If Jesus builds his church on Peter, we're going to hell. Because Peter denies Christ. Peter's always fumbling the ball. We love Peter because he's just like us. Bumbling around, making mistakes. We love him. He's our favorite disciple. We can relate to Peter. But listen, Peter is not salvation, friend. I know Peter. Well, how do you... Well, I I have a statue. I pray to Peter. Uh, Yeah, the Bible says you're not praying to Peter. No, no, I am. No, no, you're not. Well, I, 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 I have a statue of this. My mom had all the statues. And uh, necklaces and things. And back in my day, when I mean, I was never a Catholic, and I did, at that point I didn't believe in God in junior high and high school, but everybody had to have a St. Christopher around your neck or you couldn't surf. It was an international law. If you didn't have him, you couldn't go surfing. And every, do you know what I'm talking about, anybody? No, not true. See this, listen, I, you've, this has been the traditions of men in your life. You've been ingrained to think this way. Why would you talk to someone who cannot hear you, who's not even supposed to hear you, and couldn't do anything about what they heard? When the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man... That is Christ Jesus, the man. The man, Christ Jesus, okay? Very important. I hope this is liberating to some people because I know some people are saying, wait a minute, my mind is blowing right now. I understand that, but stick with the Bible. We know this for sure. There is a minister, one, who is the high priest, who intercedes for you, represents you, in a sanctuary, in a tabernacle that's not made with human hands. That means Calvary Chapel Chino Hills is ruled out, and so is the Vatican. 
So is Red Square, and so is the Taj Mahal. So is the Hagia Sophia. You name it. All of them are ruled out. Only leaves heaven. Is your priest in heaven? Mine's in heaven, right where I need him. I don't want to talk to a priest here when the issue needs to be settled up there. I want to talk to my priest who's up there who simply turns and says, Hey, Dad, Jack's got a problem. I got it covered. Taken care of. (laughs) I have to end. I have to end. I don't want to end. Uh, Let me see if I can... Um, That means when we worship, pray, and gather together, those are spiritual actions, people. When we pray, worship, and get together, those are supernatural events. I'm telling you right now, listen, I know it's a post-COVID world, but the next big thing coming, according according to God's word, we can never stop meeting together. We can never stop praying. We can never stop worshiping. Those three things are supernatural events. I know our politicians don't think so, but we really don't care because, listen, they're not going to save us. Okay? No, nobody's writing in, no Messiah is going to be from the state capitol or from uh, or Washington, D.C. or Air Force One. You got that? The thing, is, the thing is this. When we pray, when we worship, and when we gather, it's a supernatural event. That's why I'm trusting God for the Honda Center to be a church. Why? Because we're inviting people to come back because they've been away. Fear got out of the habit. I, it sounds weird, right? It sounds weird, though. I, I've just got out of the habit. The habit? Like a, like a burger place? Oh, no, no, man. I just got out of the habit of going to church. I didn't know, you, I didn't know God was a habit. Isn't it your life? Well, I haven't been me. I've been, I've been doing church at home. No, 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 you're not. No, you can't. You can't do that. Honestly, listen. You can watch from home, just like you can drive down the freeway and listen to a radio sermon. You're being taught, but you're not at church until you have to fight to get a seat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not at church until you're not at church until the person next to you says, "Hey, will you pray for me?" Because I'm I'm hurting. You're not at church until you're experiencing what the scripture calls a convocation. A convocation is when the church comes together in unison tangibly. And I'm going to get a lot of letters which are going to be totally bogus about, I want you to know, I want... Now look, if you live in a place where there's no churches, God's grace is there for you and he knows this. But if you are within driving distance of a church and you're, you're out of the habit of going, not good. Why? Hebrews 10.25 says, you have forsaken the assembling together of the saints. And you are going to fall victim to the perils of the end times. Don't do it. I know this is hard stuff for somebody who's grown really comfortable. But God wants you to get together with his people. Warts and all. Well, that guy smells. 
I understand, but you probably smell compared to the person next to you. <laughs> well, it's not easy going to church. Got to get up. I know that's a tough one. Brush your teeth, close, present yourself. People have been doing it for thousands of years. You can do it. Well, my kids are used to sleeping in. Cold water. <laughs> Listen, you got to get them ready for getting a job someday, and church is a good way to get it started. They got to get up. And besides that, don't, besides that, I think it's George Barna, and I got to end because I'm way past. I might, it might be George Barna. Somebody can help me later and get that data, and then maybe you can post it on, on this message later. But I think George Barna is the one who post-COVID research showed that the suicide rates among people who faithfully attended church during COVID, suicide rates were unaffected, zip. No, really, I'm serious. People who, people who bailed out on God, lost hope, wound up losing their lives. Why? Listen, you disconnected from your great priest. No, walk toward him. Don't walk away from him. Get closer to him. Get closer to him. Father, Father, we pray. We thank you that right now you're hearing us. Lord, somebody who's very, and I get it, somebody who's very, very caught up into the liturgical practices and just an ecumenical routine finds a message like this even offensive. Because we, we've, we've made or you've allowed us to experience you. And it's more comfortable for them for you to be distant. But you don't like that. And Lord, the truth is, when we love, when we as humans love someone or something, we don't like distance either. How dare we impose our will upon you to try to make you into something manageable? You are the living God, the eternal, almighty. And you're the one who said, call me Abba, call me Papa. Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will take your burden from you. Learn from me. What I give you, my yoke and my burden, it is light and it is easy. So tonight, friend, whoever, wherever you may be, You can say right now, right where you're at, Lord Jesus, transform my life. Look, I don't care right now if you are somewhere in a monastery in some foreign land and you're listening to this message in secret. Right where you're at in your isolation, you can say it right now. You can say, Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life. What's wrong? Listen, why can't you say that? Why won't you say it? You're afraid. You're afraid that he'll do it. Because you like the control that you have in your religiosity. You like the predictability of it all. I'm asking you tonight. You may be in the depths and the bottom of some dungeon in some foreign land. And all you need to say is, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Meet me here, please. Come in. 
and from the basement to the pinnacle, to everyone in between, driving down the freeway at this moment, or maybe perhaps you are somewhere flying or walking or jogging on the treadmill at the health club. God is saying to you right now, open up your heart and let me come into your life. Time is up. The end is near. I'm coming back. And you need me. My friend, he will respond. If only you would respond to his invitation.